Pete Lee, welcome to the Jazz Podcast. <laughs> nice one. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Um, that intro used to be quite an organic thing, but I'm worried it's getting a bit... It seems to be getting out of control already. <laughs> well, it is what it is. I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> like that. It is what it is. And there's nothing anyone can do about it anyway. Exactly. So, <laughs> so Pete... Um, we just, oh, you know, normally I'm really organised and I bring up a little sheet of all the tracks that we're listening to. But, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's because it's, it's first thing in the morning. Um, it is. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've forgotten. Okay, of course, writer's block. We just checked out a bit of writer's block. <laughs> right. At the top of the show. Um, so that tune, um, let's not talk about it, actually. Let's talk about you. Just quick, tell us who you are and, and what's going on here. Okay, so um, I'm Pete Lee, and um, I'm just bringing out a, uh, a new album called Velvet Rage. Um, I'm a piano player, and I'm based in London, mm-hmm. originally from Cardiff, and I studied in Leeds. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, really excited. It's coming out on the 29th of June. Oh, perfect. So that's the day this show is airing. So um, if you're ah. listening to this right now, you can you can just turn this podcast off and buy the album instead. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, everyone. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Jazz Podcast. Um, okay, awesome. And of course, famously, uh, you studied in the same year with me, which I hear it's- a lot of people talking about the heavy influence of my uh <laughs> no tell well, us it's really relevant mate i mean we we played all the way you know you played a lot of the tunes that are actually on the album actually writer's block i did play and that one's that's the only one on on this episode that i played on and that <laughs> yes. when i heard it i just like i just feel like it was yesterday that you wrote it i know it was it was a funny one that because that that tune probably took a year and a half to actually write, if that makes sense. That was, it was just, it's just so um, intense, that tune, because I think it's 10 minutes long and it, you know, like I say, it, it took so long to write because um, I just never stopped. Yeah. I remember I produced the first version of it um, and it sounded awful. And then like 10 versions later, I think I was finished. I, I remember bringing them into college with like a new version every week because yeah. we had that in class in uh, in academy is that literally why it's called writer's block just because it took a long time um, oh, it was a real struggle yeah i don't mm. think i even um it was the feeling of not having produced anything for a little while and being really kind of mm. guilty and frustrated about that fact i can ha- i hate that about composing like yeah. with practice at least i know that my time was sp- spent well but mm-hmm. yeah if you write something that you then just scratch out anyway that that is a painful feeling exactly yeah sometimes it's just about getting over yourself isn't it (laughs) that would be another good name for the album (laughs) (laughs) yeah um it's an amazing tune though and it kind of sounds like it took that much time because there's so many there's so much to it it's not one that i can just press play and and be like oh i understand the form here this you know Yeah, definitely. It was, it's definitely like a through composed thing. And I was just trying to get out of the idea of um, having a kind of typical AABA mm. kind of form that just goes round and round and round and round and round. It's um, every section is doing something new. Yeah. 
Um, but it's, it's actually um, based on a kind of typical pop tune structure. Yeah. So you've got like um, your intro with a hilarious like ain't nobody um, reference to mm-hmm. it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got a verse and you've got a chorus. And then the second verse and second chorus is piano solo. Yeah. Then suddenly got a, a middle eight with a guitar um, solo and a drum solo. And then into another chorus, which is a, a sax solo. Um, and then this big, like, kind of, um, what's the word? Indulgent outro. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of totally going for it. And there's even a big, like, kind of stereotypical pop, um, like, key change where, you know, everybody stands out their stools. That kind of stuff. Great <laughs> spotlights and all. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I um, the, the gig that you describe when on the kickstarter page because you crowdfunded very successfully um for this album as well and um there's a bit where you talk about playing at the your royal academy final and there was a formal complaint made (laughs) yeah um due to the raucousness and and the the level of good times that were had by all um (laughs) Which is an excellent endorsement for this album. You know, if an establishment disapproves, then something must be going yeah. well. Um, it was funny because they, they definitely disapproved of what happened in that room, but yeah. they, they they marked me really well. So they obviously loved it. But, yeah, uh, but I love that. It was obviously that. a challenge to them at the same time because it just got a little bit out of hand. Yeah. Um, but not as out of hand as I kind of planned. I wanted to get my guitarist Tom yeah. to bring his pedal which is which doubles as a smoke machine wow <laughs> smoke machine in a vortex <laughs> um, but uh, you know in hindsight I think it would probably been an awful idea you maybe so. would have marked gotten that would be an awful reason to lose marks just exactly um, well in my defense Pete None of that formal complaint can have been with regards to me because there's that little stop in writer's block where there's, you know, there's a bar for the saxophone to to kick off on its own. It's the takeoff moment. Yeah. The takeoff moment in that final, (laughs) all the screaming and shouting and it it all affected my brain (laughs) to a point that in that takeoff moment, I managed to play one note. One really low note. Yeah, yeah. And I'd spent my entire life listening to Michael Brecker, so it wasn't what I had in mind. Just and I came off the, Yeah, I came like off at the end, and Flo Moore came up to me, and she was just like, "Rob, that was the funniest thing I've ever seen." I was like, "Oh, it was horrible." I never realised takeoffs could be so hard. There's a lot of stress building up to that moment, though, isn't there? You know, you just had like the ridiculous drum solo ridiculous guitar solo and then yeah. uh, that it's just all on you and you, the literal silence do you know that version of um oh what is it um night in tunisia with mike yeah, and exactly. randy brecker yeah exactly yeah. and um i think shaka khan's on it yeah she is and, yeah like and there's that that ridiculous takeoff moment there's the, some unbelievable yeah, stuff from yeah, from Michael Brecker, isn't there? Exactly. I think I was just trying to go for that, really. Have you seen... <laughs> That's great. What an awesome thing to know was your inspiration. In that video, it's on YouTube. If you if you type in uh, Night in Tunisia, Shaka Khan, there's one with the Brecker brothers. Randy Brecker is off his t- in that video. He's clapping out of time. Uh, yeah. 
He looks like, and then at one point in that tennis trailer, he bumps into Michael Brecker. Oh, Mike no looks way. like he's yeah it's great he just backs right into him like <laughs> all right i'm definitely gonna be checking it out <laughs> <laughs> absolutely fabulous so tell us um you mentioned tom the guitarist who yes. else have you got in the band it's funny actually now because um tom's not doing it anymore i've actually got uh, alex monk on guitar it's very uh, much um, yeah. Yeah. i knew that but yeah it hadn't consciously occurred to me yeah, it was very much um, Tom's decision and something that we're, you know, both perfectly happy with, you know, no kind of animosity yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, but it just made sense with what he was doing. He's doing loads of um, pop session stuff at the moment. Um, yeah. And to go and record uh, a week-long jazz album, um, obviously it's not, a, the album's not a week long, but it took that, that yeah. long to, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's quite an intense thing to do. Yeah. So, um, but we got through it, so... Um, and it's it's amazing to have Monk uh, on board as well. I've known him since um, 2006. Oh yeah, you guys would have studied at Leeds together. Exactly. Yeah. And then at Academy together. Exactly. I, I just wow. followed in his footsteps, to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. So, would you? Is it possible if if Alex Monk was busy for a gig, can Tom just step back into it? And... Absolutely. Yeah. That's okay. the uh, that's the idea. Yeah. Great. Like many things, like many, many projects in life, I need Josh to, like, just leave town for a few days as well. <laughs> We've talked about Josh Arcaleo at great length on this podcast. Yes, um, I remember. I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. the best thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about Josh, because um, obviously he's an extraordinary um, young man. Yes. Um, yeah, he's he's just one of my best mates, really. Um I I actually live with him, so um, we live up in East London. Just me and my boyfriend, and mm-hmm. him and his his girlfriend. Two, so two couples. Yeah, uh, it just works really nicely. We do some playing now and again, and yeah, it's brilliant. Um, he's a fabulous player. Obviously, he's um, everything. Just seems quite effortless with him. Um, yes. And oh, I mean that musically, but also his approach to life is just so chilled out. Yeah. Um, which is really refreshing. You know, people can um, stress out unnecessarily quite a lot of the time, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I reckon, you know, when you're living together as well, you can, you can deal with like these musical problems in a really intense way that you just couldn't, if you, you know, anytime anything pops into your head in your life, you can just be like, Oh, Hey man, does this work? Is this cool? Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like whenever I'm given some, really hard new music i quite often ask him and he's just like oh well you need to feel the slower five rather than the than the faster five and i'm just like oh yeah now it, now it literally feels 100 percent easier so, yeah yeah just things like that okay here's a question for you a really ridiculous mm. one did you i'll, I'll, I'll ask you some proper questions as well of course um <laughs> did you ever worry that that you can someone sue you for putting an ain't nobody quote in a tune without like well, written permission um in terms of the technicalities of that um doesn't it have to be something like a specific melody along with the same chord structure i can't remember mm. exactly what the specifics are i've heard rumors in the past about melodies are copyright but not chords yeah exactly hmm. i mean i'm being really selfish here on my album i played the superman theme tune um, right. <laughs> just thinking, yeah, I just thought, hey, this will be fun. 
And but then when I listened back to it, I was like, oh no, the John Williams estate's going to come after me now. I'm like, what if I can't release it because they sue me? Cause... Well, if you think about like jazz musicians and how much they quote, you know, and parrot other. Um... You know, like everyone's quoting, like take the A train in their solos or that thing. You know, you're never going to sue Brad Meldo because he's quoted, you know, um, you know, confirmation or something. I, but um, excellent point. I enjoyed that. But also um, with that, ain't nobody quote. I don't think the actual, you know, basically the ain't nobody thing for people who don't know is the um, the string line at the beginning. Um, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. And my line is completely different, actually. It's just got the same. Oh, I see. The, uh, do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean now. That's really that, cool. That, yeah, that kind of like long, long note line over a kind of gnarly riff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to play a bit of the Velvet Rage. Okay. Now, this track. It's so, it, the whole album, it, it's so beautiful. There's so much on it that's, it's like, it's the most beautiful thing I've heard in a really, really long time. I'm going to press play and then, and then we'll talk about it. So, Pete, tell us about the strings. Um, the strings. So, uh, I met these guys through um, Alice Zabadsky, um when I did when I was touring with her. Um, She's a singer, are, in case. Yeah, exactly. She's a, a wicked um, jazz singer slash violin player. Exactly. Yeah. So she met these guys when she was studying violin in um, the Royal Northern College of Music, mm-hmm. and. The first gig that I did with them was obviously in her band, but I think it was the Man- Manchester Jazz Festival. Yeah. Uh, 
And yeah, I was just blown away by how it made my role as a piano player um, different. So they take up a lot of harmonic space, obviously, especially when they're um, given rich harmonies, um, when they've got four parts to play. If I'm like playing piano um, and they're accompanying me, it, it literally means that I can play with one hand and that's I don't need to worry about that kind of typical <clears throat> jazz piano claw in my left hand, if you like. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I can even just use both hands to, um, to make my improvisation, which is um, just on a really practical level, that's really liberating. Yeah. Um, but it's also something about the texture that they bring um, and the warmth. It, 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 you don't hear it that often in jazz. I know it's, it's happening a lot more recently, but um, just on a kind of aesthetic point of view, it, it takes you into a completely different realm, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I found that really uh, inspiring to write for, if that makes sense, because suddenly I was, rather than writing... Um, things like writer's block, which we've already heard, like kind of very groovy things for my pop guys. I was now writing for essentially classically trained musicians. Yeah. Um, and it just sounded completely different. I, I don't really know how to um, elaborate any more on that. But um, they're also the most beautiful, beautiful people. So they live in um, Manchester. Mm -hmm. And um, whenever we go to Manchester, because uh, they're Irish they will just be the warmest people. They'll um, let us stay for as long as we want. They'll cook dinner. They'll make um, cocktails all night. Mm. <laughs> and they'll just give so much of their time. Um, we, and they're, they're just really enthusiastic about being involved with creative projects, um, just as a contrast to the classical work that they do. Who are these um, string players <laughs> That's the question. So, um, <laughs> because a lot of people are want to going to want to go to their house after this. Yeah, exactly. So the the name of the quartet is um, the Amica Strings. Right. So on first violin you have um, Simi Singh, second violin Laura Senior, then on viola you have um, Lucy Nolan, and mm -hmm. on cello Peggy Nolan. Beautiful. So obviously the Nolans are sisters, yeah. and they come from a huge family of musical Nolans. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember somebody once telling me that in Manchester, you're never more than six feet away from a Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the book. Yes. So The Velvet Rage, was, and I'm not very good at, at books unless it, it's, it has to be... Anyway, so rather than even attempt to say anything intelligent, I'm just going to go very, very quiet for a minute. Um, <laughs> what is it? What is the book? The book is a, um, a kind of observational book um, about what it's like to be gay, I guess. Um, and what, uh, yeah, um, which is it's a bit of a minefield, really. It's very, it's a heavy topic. Um, yeah. It talks about how it's a kind of human thing to search for validation. Yeah. Um, we all seek validation, whether it might be from um, our musical heroes or um, just our mates, really. You know, we're always trying to impress each other. Um, or from our loved ones, we just want to be loved. 
um, or from our family. We want kind of validation from our family that we're doing the right thing. That's probably why most of us, in, in a way, a big reason why a lot of us ever studied that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because we want to achieve in life and we want to make, um, make other people proud, if that makes sense. And so this is a book which kind of observes how a lot of specifically gay men actually really struggle to find that validation. Right. So it might be because they've had um, a difficult um, family background or it might be um, because they're just finding it difficult to fit into society. Maybe they don't even feel like they're the same as all the other gays, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, the kind of it's a really tricky um, topic, but I think the book is a really fantastic read. Um, it makes a lot of kind of sweeping generalizations, yeah. which first really anger you, and then you're like, actually, he's just completely right. Um, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost frustrating. To yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it was like it was it was a really good book. I. I um, I felt like it made a big difference in my life, if that makes sense. It, it kind of ticked a lot of boxes for me and tied a lot of things together. Right. But um, the first two thirds of the book, I would say, are very, um, it's, they're almost a bit like kind of depressing. It's kind of saying, this is why so many gay men are having mental health issues, essentially. And this is why so many gay men are just clubbing four nights a week, five nights a week, taking drugs and having casual sex. Mm -hmm. um, isn't this depressing? But then finally in the last chapter, it seems to um, steer it towards um, a sense of, uh, what's the word, authentic validation, which I know sounds a little bit pretentious, but it just means um, like kind of finding happiness within yourself and for loving yourself and who you are. Um, and not needing such um, to find validation from um, like shallow sources, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, how does that tie in then with your with the album and the music? Because obviously, yeah. it's a significant compliment that your album is, you know, so named after the book. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I would say, obviously, that these things have been. Um, you know, there's things that I've been struggling with over the last 10 years, if that makes sense. Yeah. And within those 10 years, I also wrote all of this music. So I, I really feel like a lot of my um, personal life is going to be poured into my music. Yeah. Um, that's why we have, <laughs> that's why I want to have like an exciting personal life, if that makes sense, because I want to pour it into my music as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so it's always a tricky thing to talk about this because it's like it's so personal as well, if if that makes sense. But, oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'm really keen to talk about these personal things because I don't think they're talked about enough. Um, I'm, I'm loving how um, the there's so much change recently um, in terms of recognizing LGBT love if yeah. that makes sense and openness. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And there's, you know, political changes like um yeah, gay marriage is being like approved all over the all over the world and it makes me really happy. Yes. 
But you know, I've, I've had. Um, I actually come from a uh, evangelical Christian family, and so it's been really difficult for all of us, including myself. Like, um, I didn't come out to them until I was quite old. Well, right. relatively old. Um, but I already knew for quite a long time before that. Um, and I think it took me years to, to really accept myself um, for that reason. Um, and then, obviously, when I told them, it took them a long time as well. Yeah. Um, but we've got there. And that's the message that I want to like make really clear is that we're like, you know, there's so much love still there. Um, and you just have to wait. You just have to be patient. Um, and you also have to be understanding of of their feelings just as much as yours. Even if you feel like their feelings aren't necessarily valid at first, you just mm-hmm. have to wait and you have to treat it with love and respect rather than um, any kind of aggression or confrontation. It's really difficult, but um, love will prevail. <laughs> well, that's a... A message that must have come from many years of, you know, personal reflection. Mm. Um, yeah. And of course, like an album, and this is your first one as well. It is, yeah. So, like, there's nothing more that than the audience, I think, could ever hope for than they get to listen to something that's a really true self-portrait and reflection of all of your life experiences. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was just a weird one as, as well because um, when you're putting an album together, you have to um, you have to think about a theme for it. That was a really important thing for me, and I thought I want a theme. Um, but so there's like this quite a personal message, obviously, which, which we talked about there. But just weirdly, it all fell into place with the music itself as well um, because. This band used to be called Narcissus, which was um, a kind of really rocky, fusion-y band. Yeah. Um, and then when I started writing for the strings later on, I kind of started um, writing in a new vibe, um, which was uh, a lot softer. Um, there was a, a much wider use of space. And so this velvet and rage just seemed to kind of tie together just in terms of the words as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can really hear, like, <laughs> you can definitely hear some aggression in there, but you can also, the strings just bring another vibe to it. Which yeah. Is, uh, yeah. So before we play this last track, um, do I pronounce it Stavanger? Yeah, perfect. Stavanger. Yeah. Oh, great. That was lucky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Most people say Stavanger. Yeah. Stavanger. <laughs> um, what's the meaning behind the title? So it's a little town in Norway, um, which one of my best friends is from. So I've visited her many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Norway is just such a beautiful place, isn't it? It's yeah. like um, they just have a really high standard of living. Yeah. Um, and I mean that in that they just seem to have a lot of things right. They're like they're paying people well. They're paying <clears throat> artists very well. There's lots of funding for the arts. Um, things like alcohol and cigarettes and the rest of the fun stuff. Um, they're, they're taxed really highly. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, I think they've got it right over there. But Stavanger is beautiful. Um, I've played a, a gig with my friend. She's a contemporary dancer. Yeah. And I went over there 
and we did a kind of improvised duo. We actually played um, Dependency, which is on the album, but um, in form of just solo piano and dance. And while I was there, I also wrote this tune, Stavanger. Oh, fantastic. Well, Pete, the album is out today, the 29th of June. Yes. I assume we can find more gigs or the album. The album's everywhere, <laughs> so just look in an obvious place like Amazon, um, you know, yeah. or uh, I don't know. I can't well, it, it is Amazon's everywhere. It's on uh, Apple Music. Um, Apple Music. iTunes. Uh, Excellent. Spotify. But, Excellent. Um, yeah, um, also from my, my website, it's definitely a good source. Oh, um, yeah, websites um, in the comments below, in the, you know, yeah, that'll be easily found. Exactly. Um, but the album launch is um, on the 16th of July. Cool, where? Um, Pizza Express Hoburn, the jazz club. Oh, the great. Fact. So, yeah, that should be really fun. I've got a, a new jazz um, club. Yeah, exactly. I've got some surprise vocalists, I'll say that. I've Ooh. got um there's three vocalists coming. So. Oh man. That sounds yeah. incredible. Yeah, it should be wicked. <laughs> well, Pete, thank you so much for coming. Yeah. On the jazz podcast, I feel like we've only just scratched the surface of a very um deep, meaningful, complex, beautiful, exciting album. There's so much we could talk about. Um that we haven't even gotten into, but it's a pleasure to listen to some of the tunes and to be able to talk to you about it. Um, yeah. So thanks Pete. Um, and here we go with, uh, Stavanger. <laughs> thanks Rob. <laughs> Thank you. 